This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time or is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up to the start and hit episode one. However, if you are feeling brave and just want to dive in, don't let us stop you. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon, the confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And of course, along the way, we want to have a good time. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. We love sharing people's stories, uh, how they get started investing and, and where they are on their investing journey here on Get Started Investing. But we particularly love it when we get people who uh, who may not be known as investors, may, may be known for other things, and, and we get to unpack a different side of their lives, and, and that's what we're going to be doing here. So I'm pretty excited for this one. Absolutely, Ren. Today on Get Started Investing, we've got Dara Hayes joining us, which might not ring a bell, but uh, you might know her better by her name, DJ Tiger Lily. Dara is one of Australia's most successful DJs, and her day job sees her touring the world, playing some of the biggest clubs across the globe, playing to tens of thousands of people all over the world from Australia, Asia, Europe, and the USA. What you might not know is Dara is also passionate about ethical investing. She put pen to paper, metaphorically speaking, in 2009 and wrote a blog post on the topic, and we will link that in our show notes. She wrote about the power of voting with our dollars and how we choose to invest can send a signal to the market. So today, we're going to do a deep dive on that, hear about the beginning of Dara's investing journey, how she thinks about money, and uh, we're pumped. So welcome, Dara. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. That was a a lovely introduction. (laughs) (laughs) We try our best. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. It's lovely. You know, usually it's um, just the same kind of thing, but obviously we're talking about something a little bit different today compared to what I normally talk about. So it was nice. Also, yes, I used to play big shows all around the world, but uh, now not so much, but that's fine. We're getting there. (laughs) The work in progress. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you, used to and will again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> COVID pending. We should tell you at the the start of this interview that uh, Bryce uh, fancies himself as a bit of a DJ, and uh, he he <laughs> used to play. <laughs> no, no, not anymore. <laughs> he he played Canberra's uh, number one night spot, according to him, Mooseheads. Um, oh so... <laughs> my god, Mooseheads is mental. It's known for your feet sticking the floor. 
like sticking yeah. to the floor when you walk around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Glad it's known for that and not the DJs, so that's good to know. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and stop him uh, have slipping any DJ questions in. But just fair warning, he he might ask some. <laughs> that's fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> oh my god! Ends up being a DJ podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Dara, we do like to start these uh, these interviews with a bit of a true or false game. There's a lot of myths out there uh, when it comes to investing, especially for people who haven't started investing and may be a little bit intimidated by it. So, we like to we like to try and um, I guess bust some of those myths with this game. So, if we kick off uh, the first, um, I guess, true or false question. True or false, uh, has your very first investment been your most successful? This is a good one. I think it's true and false, and I'm going to explain why. So true, it was the most successful in that it was the first kind of jump for me, which I think is amazing. And so for anyone to make the first investment, that's absolutely incredible, you know. And so my first investment was actually a property, and I invested with my sister um, just to get our kind of foot into the property market because obviously Sydney is absolutely mental. Um, it's still, you know, ticking away, going fine. There's, you know, no um, necessarily thought to do anything crazy with it at the moment. It's kind of just the long-term one. Um, but false, it nece- not ha- hasn't been my most successful in that, you know, it hasn't necessarily made me millions of dollars, not that anything has, but, you know, there have been other investments that I think have been more successful from a financial standpoint. But it definitely was a really big um, success point for me and also for my sister in our lives to be able to join forces and do something together like that. So, yeah, it was a, it was an epic moment and, and a successful moment, I think. And just a shout out to your sister, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Greta Hayes of the Hockey Roos. Well, that's the other one. <laughs> oh, so I've got two. <laughs> so yes, Greta Hayes is a hockey roo. She's my baby sister. Um, she unfortunately isn't in that house situation. <laughs> Sorry, Greta. <laughs> so she's obviously quite like she's maybe seven years younger than me, whereas the middle sister, Georgina, she actually should be on this podcast. She... Um, did finance at university and was doing like kind of investment banking and stuff in Hong Kong for quite a few years. So she's like the most financially savvy person. Um, and she's actually taught me a lot about finance over the years, which is really good. Nice. Family of superstars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that you see getting started on your investing journey as a success. I think that's that's a, a really positive way to, to think about it. True or false, you had a strategy in place before you started investing. False. No strategy. (laughs) Let's just throw (laughs) money at a random house and see what happens. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) But you know what? Like, um, My parents are amazing. Um, My dad is in finance as well. And so they've bought multiple places and renovated them and, you know, sold over like sold them kind of over the span of their life. And so they kind of have helped us, especially with that property, look for some factors in a property that might make for a solid long-term investment. So I think that definitely did help. We weren't going into it blindly per se. Mm. But, yeah, absolutely no strategy at the start. (laughs) 
Uh, true or false, investing is as hard as you thought it would be. False, but false because I have epic guidance from people around me. I'm really not a numbers person, so I think if I didn't have guidance, that answer might be true because it is quite overwhelming. There is so much to think about and so many elements to think about. In saying that, there's a lot of guidance and stuff that you can get for free online and, like, you know, podcasts like this. Um, So that's a true and false answer again. Sorry. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And to close it out... True or false, investing is like gambling. True and false. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I think that the way I see it personally, and you guys might see it totally differently to me, is that some investments are more likely going to be solid and have a lot less risk associated with them than others. And other investments have a lot higher risk. But, it, yeah, actually no false. It's not like gambling. Gambling's a waste of time. Investing is, like, not a waste of time, even if there are risks. <laughs> I changed my answer. <laughs> nice. nice. Glad nice. we ended on false there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dara, we, we want to uh, unpack uh, ethical investing in this uh, interview and, and get your thoughts on it because – it's just a massive area of interest in the equity mates community. And I think more broadly, people of our generation really see ethical investing as a great opportunity to uh, have their money make a difference. Um, but before then, we want to we hear your investing story. And, you know, you mentioned there that you started with buying a house with your sister. Um, but can you tell us, sort of take us back and tell us how you got into investing and, and how you found those early days of figuring out the property market and then eventually figuring out the stock market. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start by saying I still have no idea about the property market and the stock market. Like I am learning so much every single day um, with the help of, you know, my dad and my sister because they're both really financially savvy and also my financial advisors are really great. Um, And I think that's one of the things that I really like about it is just there's so much to learn in this sphere and it is so much fun to learn all these different things and, you know, build up your skill set and your knowledge set over time. But so how I kind of got started was, I suppose it was maybe five years ago, maybe six years ago. So I'd been DJing for four or five years and I'd been living at home with my parents. Um, I'm not a flashy person at all. You know, I don't buy designer goods. I you know, just bought my first nice car this year, like 11 years after I started DJing. I'm I'm not into, you know, lavish things. It's just, you know, not how I grew up. And it's something that I think has really helped me with my saving and with my investment as well. Um, And so I started to kind of accrue all this money in my bank account, as you do, not paying rent, (laughs) not really buying much, just, you know, working and living your life. And my dad has always really helped me look after my finances and kind of helped me do my tax and things like that. And it got to a point where he said, okay, like it's time that we start like talking about investing and, you know, you have a bit of money to invest now. What are you going to do with it? And the thought to me was always quite intimidating. The thought of taking out loans for, you know, a property or 
whatever you might be investing in. Um, there was a lot of fear around that, I think. And also the thought of investing into the share market was also really overwhelming because I had absolutely no idea about any of it. I didn't do finance at school. I didn't do finance at uni. Zero clue. And so, yeah, we just kind of have taken it step by step. And so the first step was just, you know, dad explaining to me all the different options of, you know, how we could invest and looking at how much money I had and how much money I was willing to, I suppose, part with. And he was really great at explaining, you know, the different risks and rewards of, you know, property versus shares and all that kind of stuff. I will um, also say that when I started DJing and running my own business, I didn't realize that superannuation was investing. <laughs> like, yeah. I literally thought superannuation was just a bank account that you put money into and then it just came to you when you were older. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, um, once again, my parents have always been really good at making sure that I have, have all those structures set up. Um, so I probably started investing from the first year that I started DJing, which is pretty cool to think about. Yeah, I just decided that I thought um, if I could afford to buy some sort of property, that might be a nice kind of safe, solid first investment. And I couldn't do it on my own, nor could my sister. And that's when we decided to go into it um, together and buy something together. And I remember when we got the place, I felt absolutely nauseous and just sick with dread thinking about, you know, debt and a mortgage. And it's only become in the last maybe two or three years that I've really become comfortable with um, having debt and understanding that if you have money, you your money can work for you to create more wealth um, from a long-term perspective. But it did take a long time for me to become comfortable with that. And I think it is something that, you know, people really struggle with is thinking about getting into debt for the sake of more stability and greater wealth in the future. But it, yeah, it is something that's pretty freaky at first, I think. Yeah, no doubt. Looking at the size of the mortgages that need to be taken out to buy property in Sydney and Melbourne, it is terrifying. <laughs> but you're right. If, you know, if you've put yourself in a good position to be able to manage money, then servicing debt, good debt, as we explain on the show, there's certainly a difference between good debt and bad debt, but good debt where you're using it to build wealth over the long term can absolutely be an advantage if you if you can service and manage it, it right. Yes, absolutely. I like your comment there as well around superannuation and not thinking of it as an investment early on because uh, for us, our experience has shown that a lot of the community at Equity Mates don't often think that they're investing in the stock market through their superannuation. And um, I think we'll touch on that a bit, bit later, but um, good call out. Just in terms of like resources and, and bits of information and, and where you turn to get help, you mentioned there you've got family and, and financial advisors to help. How do you sort of approach those conversations, um, you know, uh, from, I guess, when you first started, it was taking a lot of advice, but are you now going to them saying, this is how I want to invest? Mm, so now I actually have um, a financial advisor that I work with. So there's me and then there's kind of like my dad, who's my go-to for any kind of questions or, you know, low-level things that I don't want to take to my financial advice. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> they, you know, they still laugh at me a lot of the time because obviously I ask some ridiculous questions, but that's fine. And then um, 
it's my financial advisors and the financial advisors I have, they are um, kind of in the same building as the company that um, has done my mortgages for me. And so they all can kind of chit chat to one another, which is really great. And so the way the conversations work now is that we have a meeting once a year with the financial advisors and kind of just look at what's happening, what's happened in the last 12 months, what my goals are for the next 12 months. But they have a really big focus on looking at longevity um, and they're not about, you know, doing quick cash grabs in crypto or whatever it might be. They're about providing like safety and longevity for my life. And I'm really aware as a female and as a DJ that my career isn't going to be forever, unfortunately. I'm thinking, you know, when we have children, I don't think I'm going to be wanting to be touring every single weekend. I feel like that would be a really difficult. Yeah, take the kids with you. (laughs) No way. It's hard enough as it is on your own, let alone with children running around. That'd be epic. (laughs) Oh, you could make a TV show out of that, I'm sure. You could. (laughs) Um, So I'm very aware that elements of my um, career at the moment do have a time limit. And they're very aware of that as well. So I think the best thing that has been or the best thing about working with them is that I've kind of given them a five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan of how I want things to look. And they've really helped me to, I suppose, put measures into place to feel more secure financially, um, which is really exciting. And so, yeah, every year we kind of have a a check-in conversation about how things are going and we either, you know, add money to this or take money away from this. And depending on, yeah, there's depending on where I'm at in that kind of 12 months, we kind of fiddle things around a bit and set up some new goals for the next 12 months, which is really good. And yeah, my conversations with my dad are kind of ongoing all the time. He's so epic and he's definitely part of the reason that I'm able to sit here and have conversations with you and feel confident talking about money and things like that. He, um, creates a quarterly pack for me for my business and um, shows like gross income, kind of what we paid out to people and different things like that, how much tax I'm paying, what my investments are doing. So like how much money I've got in my shares and my super and what my properties are doing and personal expenses, of course, which (laughs) (laughs) is always questionable. Um, but that's really amazing. So I go over to like my parents' house once a quarter and we have like a business meeting as well as a financial meeting where I kind of just let them know, Hey, this is what's going on in the company at the moment. And then he says, cool, well, this is how it's looking from a financial standpoint. So it's really nice to be able to have conversations, which I might feel awkward about, you know, coming from a creative background, not from a financial background, being able to have them with him and my mom and ask, you know, ask questions, to, to learn about it um, while while I'm doing it. Mm, mm. Uh, shout out to my parents and Bryce's parents if they want to do some fi- quarterly financial reporting for us. Uh, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I, would, I would love that. <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, I'm so grateful for my parents because if it wasn't for them, I, yeah, you'd ha- I'd have to be paying someone to do all this stuff and – I don't think I'd have anywhere near the amount of like confidence or knowledge and or even like, you know, I just don't think I would have done half the stuff I've done because 
just you don't think about it or you wouldn't know to do it, you know? And I think it's so important having those conversations around money. You know, they, they used to be you don't talk about three things, politics, religion, and money. And I know that, like, my, my folks have a financial advisor, but they never really knew the right questions to ask or anything like that because people just didn't talk about money. Like, their folks didn't talk to them about money. And when we started this podcast, you know, we're, we're the same. We didn't study finance. We didn't work in the industry. And just knowing like what to ask, who to ask, how to find the right financial advisor, all of that stuff, you just never really know. No, absolutely not. And it seems, I think, when you're starting out really overwhelming because mm. you just, you, you, you know nothing and you're literally stepping into an industry that is so massive with so many different, you know, elements and factors and so many different people who do so many different things and, you know, you hear these horror stories of people investing in these companies and it goes sour and, oh, God, like there's so much at play. Um, and, you know, people's relationship with money is really important but also like mm. kind of changes like how their life looks a lot of the time, yeah. you know. How did you guys feel about like learning everything about finance if you didn't study it or didn't work in the industries? Did you find it overwhelming when you started or were you excited or both? Honestly. Honestly, I reckon we're going to have very different answers to this because Bryce Bryce's has like the textbook growing up in a family where he took his pocket money and spent a third, saved a third and invested a third. So I reckon his answer is going to be very different to mine. But for me, it was so overwhelming. And like it still is at times. But, you know, I remember when we started this podcast, even we, we had no idea what we were talking about and we used it as an excuse to learn and to hold ourselves accountable but yeah, I, I remember like confusing basic concepts in our early episodes and like just having no no real clue. Still don't know if I have a clue. <laughs> Jeez, well, we're running a podcast for I five know. years, so. <laughs> we're, we're faking it still. <laughs> I like I it, that's well, relatable. Yeah, well, I think overwhelming and exciting because as you said, Dara, like exciting about the fact that if you pay attention to it, just in in the smallest ways you can really set yourself up long term and i think there's it's one of those industries that you can you don't have to go to uni and study finance and and you know do a degree to be able to take control of your financial situation you just need to give it a bit of time and energy and the long term effect of doing so is massive and i think that's exciting but i can totally relate to the feeling of being overwhelmed and i think that might never go away because you nail one sort of step and you're like, great, I've got that. And then you look at the next and you're like, oh, now I've got to think about a mortgage. So you kind of nail that. That's overwhelming. And then you think, well, I'm getting towards retirement, so I need to think about that. So I think there's always going to be those feelings as you go. But the main thing is just being active with it is the way I kind of think about it. You can't push these things under the carpet and think they're going to work out. Yeah. It's like a never ending journey and learning experience. What you guys are doing is amazing. And it excites me so much that there are so many like more resources out there that are available to people online these days because being financially like savvy and feeling financially confident is so important for you know your mental health and for the health of everyone around you even for your physical health because you know being healthy costs money um mm. and i just think especially being a woman like traditionally we were just really not encouraged to get involved in money. And I know that a lot of women in my life do have a lot of, you know, 
hesitations around speaking about money and, you know, interesting money stories or relationships with like their relationship with money. And I think it's, um, it's really cool that it's starting to be spoken about a lot more um, and very exciting because, you know, it's very empowering feeling in control of your finances. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, the stats are pretty crazy. I think it's 18% of online investors in Australia are women. So, oh my like, God. massive, massive um, gap there. But the number of new investors coming into the market is majority women. So, I feel like this is the generation where things really change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So, we love hearing about investing mistakes because there's a lot we can learn from them so if you think if you think um and i'm glad that your financial advisors are not going for the short-term crypto grabs um like ren is he's always after the (laughs) crypto cash grab (laughs) um are you able to share if there have been any perhaps one of your investing mistakes and and what you've learned from that yeah absolutely um so i think the biggest mistake that i made was just from not knowing. And that was, I took out like a bunch of shares. I gave my like, um, financial advisors a sum of money and like they invested them in different like share portfolios, I suppose, to create like a big share portfolio for me. Um, and it was all, you know, blue chip stocks. So like really stable and secure and, providing relatively good returns, but it was with the idea of, you know, you'll hold these shares for a long period of time. We'll put the dividends back in to the share market. And, you know, when you're older, you'll have a nice big lump of shares to, to live off of whatever I want to do with them. And I was like, great, awesome. This is so good. And so I probably had them for like three years and it was only two years ago that I started, you know, reading a bit more into the ethical investment and stuff. And, I realized that not all, but the vast majority of shares that I held were probably putting money into things that I really was not okay with, um, like coal mining and live animal exports and tobacco and gambling and all these things. And I did, I had literally no knowledge that investing in a lot of these big banks and things like that were against everything that I believed in. And when I found that out, I called my dad straight away and I was like, you have to be kidding me. Like, how did I not know this? And he was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, oh, my God. So here I am, like, trying to be vegan and, you know, trying to buy, you know, environmentally friendly clothes and soaps and all this stuff. And I'm investing, like, sums of money into things that are totally against what I believed in. So for me, that was a big mistake because – and look, it, it wasn't really a mistake because I had no idea, but um, I, I wish I would have known that earlier just because I think I felt a bit of guilt for doing that for a few years. And as soon as I found out, I went straight to my financial advisors and I like just said, this is not okay, let's change this. And so now my portfolio is green and ethical, which is awesome. And I'm super proud and super happy about that. I do, however need to change my bank over. I'm still with one of the big banks and I would really like to change over to a smaller bank. There's just been some conversations going on at the moment um, about what that looks like. Um, so if you guys have any suggestions on which bank I should change to. 
Well, yeah, I was just thinking, do I even uh, do I even know a green bank? Like, I'm trying to think if there are any that... Yeah, some are more green than others. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this is the best one, but in terms of best marketing campaign that has convinced me that they're ethical is um, Bank Australia. Yeah, same. Yeah. Their ads are great. Bank Australia? Yeah. Yeah, their ads are really good, and it, it yeah. feels like they're ticking a lot of boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. Um I think the difficult thing is I have a couple of loans and everything's like, there's like lots of different things happening under my name in the one bank. So I think it's going to be a bit of a effort to, you know, pick it up and take it to a new bank. Yeah, yeah, And I yeah. think that is still... Well, that's how they get you. Yeah, absolutely they do. And I think there's quite a lot of hesitancy around these newer banks because they are new and they don't necessarily have like that solid, secure feel of like one of the big four. Um, mm. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a work in progress and we'll see what happens over the next 12 months. But that's my current thing that I am, um, yeah, looking at, looking into changing. Well, I think that's a, a good place to move to the discussion around ethical investing. Um, as we said at the top, it's, it's something that you're obviously quite passionate about. Before we do, though, we'll just take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. So, um, <laughs> let's chat ethical investing. Um, obviously, a passion, a big topic of interest for the Equity Mates community as well. One that is difficult to get your head around sometimes. There's many ways that you can approach it. So, let's start at the top, I guess. Where does the passion for ethical investing come from? So, for me, it started with veganism and I went vegan not for ethical reasons whatsoever, for health reasons, totally about myself. <laughs> and <laughs> when I saw what it was doing to my body, um, I came, came into the vegan I suppose, world with a whole heap of health issues, gut problems, inflammatory problems. I actually had like a low-grade Crohn's diagnosis, which is an inflammatory bowel disorder. Um, and I had, you know, just I was not in good shape um, mentally, physically, spiritually. Came across this idea of, you know, just eating a plant-based diet and started doing it and saw incredible results really quickly um, and felt a million bucks. And so once I was seeing these amazing results, I thought to myself, hmm, this, there's something to this. I'm going to like look into it a bit more. <laughs> That's always me jumping in the deep end and being like, oh, this is pretty good. Let me, let me suss this out a bit more. <laughs> and then I realized that there is this whole lifestyle and thought approach that comes along with veganism, which is, you know, treading lightly and treating animals with respect and kindness and thinking about how every decision you make, not just food, is a political decision and it is like a financial decision and a social and cultural decision because, you know, if I go to the shops and I am buying, like, you know, a shampoo, I have the choice of choosing one of two. They look exactly the same. They probably do exactly the same thing, but one of them is tested on animals and one isn't. So if I use my dollar to buy the one that isn't tested on animals and has no animal product in it, that's me saying this is what I care about and for me this is what's important. And I've kind of taken that idea from veganism and put it into other things in my life, which includes investing obviously. So using my dollar to say this is what I care about and this is important for me. And I think that, you know, if 
everyone took the same approach and, you know, used their dollar, big or small, to invest in, you know, ethical super funds and ethical share companies and just companies in general, then, yeah, there'd be a lot of epic things happening in the world. So, yeah, that's kind of how it started. And, yeah, that's how it's – that's where we're at at the moment. Yeah. It is um, – it's so true that a lot of people focus on the – the consumer side of how you how, what you buy but what you invest in can be just as impactful i guess people get lost in ethical investing a little bit because there's so many different uh i guess aspects to it and you know you mentioned animal rights there that's a big one climate change is obviously a big one but there's so there's so many different things that i guess can become a priority and then you know things can come into conflict you know a company can be really good with climate change but really bad with like labor rights or something like that so what what are the key things that you're i guess looking out for when it comes to investing ethically so for me when i realized that my shares were not ethical by any means i went to my financial advisors and said whoa what the heck and they were like oh yeah we didn't really think about that. And they had actually never done a green portfolio for someone before. Um, I'm probably their youngest client. And so a lot of their clients aren't really interested in this kind of thing, which is fair enough because, you know, they've never really cared about it. So for me, I think the main things were um, the environment and making sure that I wasn't giving my dollar to live animal exports. And that is, you know, a big thing coming from the vegan standpoint, I suppose. Um, And I dare say that'll probably change over the years when I have children. Um, But yeah, those were my big two concerns um, that I, you know, brought my, brought to the attention of my financial advisors. So like not putting money into coal and things like that um, and mining and yeah, the live animal exports were the big two no-nos for me. Is the portfolio made up of a lot of ETFs or is it like predominantly individual companies? So my portfolio is made up of, I think, Australian Ethical. There's a lot in there and Magellan, um, some stuff in there. And then I have um, some more of my portfolio is in like a, a real estate trust, I think. So just in real estate. Um, and that's yeah. pretty much it. So it's kind of divided between those three. Yeah, nice. Love mm. Magellan. Yeah. <laughs> I, like when um, Paula, my financial advisor, told like told me about them, I like did some reading and I was like, well, this is so cool. Like you, I just had no idea that any entities like this existed. And then being able to like go on their sites and read all about them was empowering for me because it just made me excited that people had thought about these things that I was thinking about, you know, it, it, and it, it felt really good. I walked out of the office that day thinking that, you know, I was just on this brand new learning experience and journey and I felt like I could be finally confident that my money was going to something that, you know, aligned with my beliefs, which I, is very, mm. very important, you know. Mm. What about you guys? What do you like from an ethical um, investing perspective? Is there something that I should be pouring my money into? Tell me. But I'll Bryce, be honest. <laughs> I don't think Bryce invests ethically. What the heck? Are you kidding? Now's your chance chance to convince him. Yeah, I'm on my journey of being convinced that I should be doing it. Why are you not convinced that you should be doing it? 
I'm not convinced that I should. I don't. I don't need convincing. I, I don't think I'm. Um, I'm actively going out there being like, let you know, I'm all in on coal and and uh, and gas. Like, yeah. I don't think I have any any investments in. Well, I mean, I would through ASX 200 and that sort of stuff, BHP yeah. and Rio and stuff. Yeah. But I, I don't invest with with the the the, the first sort of layer um, or filter being green investments. That that's not how I approach my investing philosophy. Um, but that's not to say that I, I won't. Can I make you think about something? So this is how I thought about it. It was like a little bit more expensive, like there was a cost involved changing over all my shares and it may not be as profitable in the next, let's say, five years. But think about it this way. What are people investing in at the moment, like for the future? It's all about climate change. It's all about changing the way we think and the way we live because we know that the world is overheating. Like it's a massive issue and like we all know it's true now. Like there's no – like climate deniers like can't even be a thing anymore. So <laughs> from a financially savvy perspective, the smartest thing to invest in long term is green stuff because that is what is going to – be happening in a hundred years time. Like there's going to be no coal in a hundred years time. There's going to be no gas in a hundred years time. So you should be one of the people that jumps on the bandwagon right at the beginning being like, here, green companies, take my money. So financially <laughs> it's smarter as well. Yeah. Well, I think from that point, there's no, there's like in terms of performance, green investing does actually do quite well. Like it, it there's, you it, know, it, so it's done, it's done better. Yeah. Like, it, it outperforms. Year on year, it does so, better, yeah. Um, from that point of view, spot on. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I think that eventually there won't be a thing as sustainable investing. Like all these companies are going to have to 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 continue to get investment from uh, shareholders. They're going to all have to meet some sort of ESG sustainable measures. Otherwise people are just not going to invest. So, yeah. um, but at this stage when the BHPs and the Rios and the Fortescues are, are still around, um, there is that alternative, but yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I was a little bit unfair to Bryce throwing him under the bus. There. He is, <laughs> he is mildly ethical. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, I think if you look at how most people in our generation invest, the, the companies that are, like defining the future are also the companies that sit in ethical funds because to to they're the companies that are sort of moving where the world is going rather than you know clinging on to like legacy industries or legacy way of doing things yeah. and so i think a lot of people even if they're not actively saying ethical is number 1 for me i reckon a lot of the companies that they own will be the ethical ones you don't you don't see a lot of 20 year olds saying i'm going to go all in on BP and Exxon. No, no, absolutely except for, not. Except for Bryce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not true. Oh, that is true, actually. Think, yeah. What I think is most challenging about this and is the fact that it's so grey. Like, and I don't think there's a, it's been nailed at the moment and this is something that Ren and I often talk about. It's your, your view on ethical investing could be completely different to my view on ethical investing and what my values are and what I'm looking for in a company. Same with Ren. And so between all three of us, we could all have a different approach and all be di investing in different companies. And so 
finding information on that, building a portfolio that aligns with your values, digging deep on companies as well, like surface level, it might seem that through their annual reports, they've got uh, ESG and they've, you know, everyone talks about ESG these days, but if you, you dig under the surface, they might be involved in child labor or using plastic and testing on animals or whatever it may be depending on which way you view a company they could either be ethical or unethical so i think that's a real a real challenge as well that's what i um am trying to get more information on at the moment but like i kind of want to know like more of the nitty-gritty and like something i'd love to know and i don't know exactly is like how and why these companies uh making decisions and investing what they're investing in like who's sitting there ticking the boxes being like oh yeah cool we'll we'll invest in this but yeah they do test on animals but this is okay no child labor and oh yeah this one's okay no live animal exports are but there's a bit of you know environmental damage here so but that's okay we'll still do that like like what's the process i want to know more about that and i don't know that yet so that's something that i um would like to find out more about i suppose so i can like be more confident moving forward and like continuing to invest like who is making the decisions and what are they thinking about when they're you know making those decisions and what that looks like for them how my dollar is working for them and for me yeah we um on the podcast we've interviewed a few ethical managers who sit in those investment committees and have those conversations and we it's really interesting to hear how they think because with every company, very few companies are like 100% ethical or 100% unethical. And so it's always like balancing like, yeah, you know, they get a tick here, they get a cross here. And the classic example, Future Super, uh, which is one of the big ethical super funds, they manage an ETF with beta shares, an ethical investing ETF. And they recently took Tesla out of it. And you think Tesla like electric cars, you know, uh, transitioning away from fossil fuels to renewables. But they decided that it was unethical because of some of their labor practices, like making workers go back to work during COVID and stuff like that. Yeah, And for me, that was an interesting one where it's like a company that you think is quite ethical, they've taken out. And then it's like, well, every company has that sort of balancing of like some good things, some bad things. And that's just like, I feel like it comes down to not even companies, but that's just like the problem of being human is that, you know, we can do all we can to, you know, lighten our environmental footprint and, you know, put our money in the right places. But at the end of the day, we're still human and we're still consuming and like causing damage, you know? So it's like, that's where it comes back to what Bryce said before about, you know, things look ethical, different things look ethical for different people. So you kind of have to, I suppose, find out what works for you. No company is going to tick all the boxes, so you have to kind of find the one with the ticks that suit your frame of mind. I, I do I do want to leave this part of the conversation, though, on a positive note because, you know, we've just spoken about how difficult it is to figure out what's ethical and what's not. Before Bryce and I were doing Equity Mates full-time, I worked in the sustainability team at Coles and... Um, you while i was there you see the impact that ethical investing has on companies like the interest that came my boss was dragged into more investor meetings like it ethical investing does impact the way companies prioritize it so it can be confusing it can be difficult to figure out what where a company sits but 
like I saw firsthand the impact that it has. That's so nice, and that makes you feel so warm and fuzzy. Hey, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> now, Dara, <laughs> I am conscious of time, Dara, and um, we very much appreciate your time. Um, I want to touch on super very briefly before we just close out with a, a final question or two. So you um, you mentioned at the start that at the start of your journey, you didn't think about super as an investment, thought it was just a bank account that poured out money at some point down the track. <laughs> How do you, um, do you invest ethically through your super fund as well? And um, like, how do you approach your super? Um, yes, I do. Um, so... I am with Australian Ethical Super. I think that's what they're called anyway. And um, I changed that over as well. I used to be with Rest and they kind of looked pretty good ticking a lot of boxes in, in attracting, you know, young people and making Super seem like fun and easy and things like that. But I think Australian Ethical is much better for me now. Yeah, it's crazy that I never thought, I really never thought about super as being an investment and it really blew my mind because I, I did I did only find out about it a few years ago, lol. Um, <laughs> and I feel like this is just like that, that, that realization is just me on my financial journey. But I'm happy to talk about it because there'd be so many people in my situation that just don't really have don't really have any idea and lots of small business owners that are really like in the dark about all these things because they're not taught about it. And so, yep, I'm continuing like putting money into my super and actually a priority for me is to kind of max out how much money I can put into my super each year because it's good for tax and also makes me feel like I'm putting money somewhere that, um, you know, is in alignment with my morals and my beliefs. And it's also a really good investment for me personally for, you know, the long-term health and security of me and my family, especially being conscious of um, my DJ career and not knowing when that's going to kind of settle down or what that's going to look like when we have children. Um, so super is a really big part of my investment portfolio and it's something that is really important to me to be putting as much as I can kind of into there for my like financial health long-term. Yeah, nice. So I think you're definitely not alone with the super thing. Uh, a lot of us, a lot of young Australians aren't thinking about their super enough. So it's it's good to hear that, you know, you've really thought about what super fund you're going with and then how much you're putting in. Because I know, and this is speaking from personal experience, but also people that I've been speaking to, they just, whatever their employer tells them to set up, wherever they tell them to set up a fund, that's where they end up. How how did you so obviously ethical investing was a big priority for you, but um, how did you choose Australian Ethical over the other potential ethical super funds out of, out there? Well, it was just like I suppose from advice from my financial advisors. I'm not going to lie and say that I spent hours researching um, which one was better over another one. I think it came just after speaking with my financial advisors and telling them what was important to me and. This is, I suppose, tricky in that I'm not doing it all myself. I do have help and I do have assistance and I do take their advice. So, yeah, that was their advice for me and I was happy to take it. But I know that, you know, there's so many different options. And, you know, when you Google, there's just like loads of options that people can can choose. And I suppose it comes back to what we were talking about before in that, 
you know, what is important to you, it's good to choose one that, you know, reflects what's important to you. Who do you guys invest in with your super? Uh, I'm with Host Plus at the moment, but we're doing a bit. We've actually done a lot of content recently on superannuation that has led to a full internal audit here at Bryce <laughs> Holdings. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually having a bit of a deep dive at the moment. Yeah, cool. Mm. Who I- are you with, Ren? I'm with Superhero, and they're oh, yeah. like a platform where they're not like a super fund where they invest for you. It's like you can invest it yourself, but it's not self-managed where you have to like do all the accounting and tax. Um, so I just moved yeah, across yeah, yeah. recently. Yeah. Cool. So it's kind of um, managed, but you get, um, I suppose, independence with putting your money in different exactly. yeah, yeah, places yeah, yeah. that are important yeah, to you. And I'll, That's really cool. I like that. Yeah, it's good. I, I like it just because you can see it and you can take control of it and, and you'll be pleased to know there's not a coal miner or, you know, non-green stock in sight. <laughs> no, That's... I don't believe him. I don't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's too funny. No way. <laughs> I feel like there are so many – what I was going to say is I feel like there are so many amazing platforms and things these days that didn't exist like five or ten years ago and even really cool apps that are, you know, allowing investment and, you know, just the exploration of all these different things accessible to people. Um, Like all the apps that, you know, the the roundup apps where you, you know, round up um, your purchases and then it, you know, creates like a little saving platform for you or these um, investing apps that you can, you know, put a tiny amount of money in. Like you could put like, you know, 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever with no fee or like really low fees compared to say like Comsec or whatever you might be using. And it just is making it so epically accessible for people, especially young people. And like you can like see where your money's going and kind of experiment and play around, which is really cool because I feel like, I don't know, five years ago there wasn't a whole heap of stuff like this and people weren't talking about it either. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We actually just wrote a book. I've actually just got it here. Um, <laughs> no, it's e- and it's easier. It, what did we title it? It's easier than you think to invest in shares. And I think the whole point is exactly what you've just said that there has been no time in history that is easier to actually start investing in the stock market with as little as a few cents. So there's almost no excuse these days to not take some sort of um, approach to investing in the stock market. Great little plug there for a book, by the way. Yeah, I love that. Oh, by the way, I've just written a book. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Okay, great. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Launches soon. So, um, Oh my gosh. When's it out? We'll send you a copy. Yeah, I would love to read it. Yeah. Yeah, Um, that would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's, um, yeah, it's such an exciting time. And like, I would just really encourage people. Like, I hope if the people that are listening to this, Um, can understand that I'm not necessarily super financially savvy. I still learn stuff all the time. You know, I make mistakes all the time, I'm sure. And there are, I'm sure, going to be so many more changes with my bank and with my share portfolio and even just with my knowledge of things. But like the fact that, you know, you can just take small steps every month or every year, like whenever you're looking at your finances to slowly make changes. I think it's it's, it's exciting and I think people should be um, not intimidated to talk about it and make mistakes and learn and, you know, have a go at 
investing. Well, you've just summarized the whole conversation incredibly well, Sarah. I think that's a really good, I think that's a really positive note to end on with some great pieces of advice as well in there for those that are looking to start their investing journey or at least start taking more control of their money more broadly. So it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for being so open with how you treat your finances and and are approaching your investing journey from an ethical point of view as well. I'll endeavor to have a better answer on how I'm ethically investing next time we chat. Um, but as we, we really do appreciate your time and all the best with um, hopefully getting back out there on the world stage at some point when all of this COVID stuff um, allows you to do so. So thank you very much. Thanks, guys. It's been so nice to chat to you. It's, um, yeah, really fun for me to have conversations about this when I get the opportunity to. So, yeah, thank you for your time. Thanks, Dara. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.